so I haven't been recording in a while, but that's because I've uh, been pretty busy with work and everything, and now uh, everything's slowed down, and I've got people off my back mostly. You know, it's that time of year, you know, the holidays and all of that, time to get fat, lazy, relax. No, I'm going to hustle and grind, hustle and grind. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to be kind of lazy and uh, enjoy the extra time. So, um, good news is I, I got some new recording equipment and maybe it'll uh, it'll reveal its quality here in this first ever test run because like, I just did a couple little sound clips with it earlier, played it back, screamed what the fuck into it a few times because that's fun, right? And then played it back and it sounded pretty good made the uh, wife and kids jump so yay me um always enjoy doing that because you know if you can't scare the shit out of your family who can you scare the shit out of who you know probably won't shoot you for doing it because uh, that's the way we live here in the south right jump out of a bush and get shot in the ass uh -huh, happy fucking uh april fools uh, yeah april fools blast you um but hey welcome to texas motherfucker anyhow you know, I was uh, talking with some coworkers the other day. They don't—they don't ever travel like I do, and um, you know, I didn't really know how to segue into this. But really funny thing is, so when you go over like other countries, and after you—you know—you live in America for a while, you get used to the way food is like right anywhere you go, anywhere you live. Like you're used to the food that you eat, cooked the way that you're used to, and within pretty much any area you go in in the u.s you pretty much have an idea of what we all expect food to uh taste like or at least how we expect it to be cooked to a level of respectable appropriate doneness right you know nobody likes their chicken breast cooked to paper dry nobody likes their uh steaks well done i mean at least nobody with a soul likes their steak well done. Just order a fucking pot roast, you steak hater. Um, and then the same thing, like, you know, you order buffalo wings and, and you want boneless ones. Just order chicken nuggets. Just order the fucking chicken nuggets, okay? Like, don't waste everybody's time. Just say, hey, look, can I get some nuggets and some dipping sauce for my Happy Meal? And get the fuck out of Buffalo Wild Wings because you don't belong there. Um, but back to what I was getting at with uh, Asia and all that, because I, I went to Asia and I was been there a few times and uh the way that you know we we like our food there uh food here sorry i'm not from asia i'm not asian at all so if you're asian and this offends you well then you know step your cooking game up so anyhow um, um like the philippines in particular i found it really common to way overcook everything with the exception of fish right because like i guess maybe because you know all the islands there, like they became very masterful at baking fish uh, the fish head thing, I I don't get. I mean, I kind of get it, I guess, because you know, there's a lot of people there that that they chop the head off and sell the rest, and you know, that way they could pay for their uh, their bills, and they still found the way to make, you know, to get a meal out of the day. It, it's really pretty clever. And then like it became a like I guess uh, a comfort food. I think that's what I'm looking for is comfort food because I was working for um, a big oil company over there, and um, you know, we we had access to like whatever kind of food we want whatever kind of food we want and we are uh, eating fish heads and oxtails i mean hey whatever like right anything is home but what really tripped me out was when i would go um you know like around manila and if i wasn't ordering seafood i could guarantee you whatever sort of pork or beef 
or chicken I ordered was going to be cooked like paper dry, like sliced into it. And you could see the individual fibers of each muscle tissue is like cake. It looked like cake. It was so dry. Um, and then like the butchering process, that's what, that really tripped me out was, uh, you know, you go and you order fried chicken somewhere with the exception of like your name restaurants, right? Like, so if you go to like Buffalo Wild Wings, cause I do have a Buffalo Wild Wings there, like in, um, in Manila. And it was just as good as in the U S like no complaints about that. But I would go to like these little, um, smaller shops when I was like, over in Palawan and, um, I know Palawan's not anything like Manila. It's a tiny little place and, you know, it's a resort town, but man, it really tripped me out. Like I ordered a, <laughs> ordered some fried chicken and, uh, I know you're wondering what the hell am I doing ordering contemporary American food in rural Asia? It's like, well, sometimes you just kind of want something that's familiar tasting, right? And so they, they don't butcher the chicken up into into you know like legs and drumsticks and thighs and breast and wings no no they just take the whole bird and they hack it into pieces with a uh, cleaver and then they bread it and fry it like that so you know you might get like a chunk of breast meat with some bones stuck you know some rib bones stuck to the back of it and then like the top nugget of a thigh and then like some uh, drumstick and so it was really kind of a culinary experience you know it's a it's a hell of a thing there, but you know I, I also learned to enjoy a lot of different things by traveling like that. Like I used to hate curry, I hated the flavor of curry, I hated the smell of curry, I hated the thought of curry, I hated things that rhymed with things that um, with curry, you know. But then uh, I went to Singapore for a while, and you know. So I I know I just talked a bunch of smack about Asian food, but particularly like the Philippines, like because. I said I, I had some really good crab dishes in the Philippines and some a lot of good seafood over there, no doubt. But then I went to Singapore, and Singapore it's like the U.S. in its own way. Like you can get food from anywhere in the world made any way you want. Like it, it's pretty fantastic, like that for being a tiny little place. Um, but curry was the main thing. Like I hated curry so much, right? And so I'm gonna jump again with a little squirrel brain here and. I was working in Malaysia out of a place called Kotobaru. Uh, I think I said the right Kotobaru, something like that, right? Um, but anyhow, like everybody there, they did the same thing like they did in the Philippines. Like they cooked it just completely paper dry, and then they would cover it with sauce to make it palatable. And I, and I guess like you know they really like their sauces. And if you like curry, like you are in the right place. I had the same problem in Trinidad actually, but. Um, you're in, definitely in the right place if you like a lot of sauce on your food because like everything's just kind of really well cooked. And my guess is like this is a habit just to ensure that, you know, nobody gets sick from the food. And fair enough, right? But so anyhow, I'm, I'm there and like they're cooking freaking curry on everything. The first day I get there, I actually got there on Valentine's Day. And uh, this is in Kotobaru, right? And so they're making, um, what are they making? They're making crab. And like there's these big red crabs with little white polka dots all over them. And I'm just like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to have some crab legs the first day here. I crack one open and like just curry pour, curry sauce just pours out of the inside. And it was like not something I could do, right? So I'm there. And this is actually offshore is where I'm working at the time. So I'm out there and I'm, you know, captive, right? If you will, like I, I, you can't leave cause you're, you know, you're on a big metal Island. And so 
there's nothing to eat that doesn't have curry on it morning, noon, and night. And I'm starving, so there is one thing I can't eat. They got ice cream. They got no limit of ice cream, like plenty of ice cream. So like, and you know, I'm try to stay pretty fit and I'm pretty conscientious about what I eat, but not during this trip. Like I am chowing down on ice cream because it's that or I starve. You know, so I'm having to work out like crazy at night and then try to choke down a little bit of protein here and there that I can with every meal that I can somehow sling enough curry off of onto a napkin and like that was the other thing like you know the napkins that they have are like paper paper thin and so it's very very difficult to you know wipe your hands or anything with it um so anyhow i'm starving to death and it's been there for about 10 days and i've lost somewhere around you know 10 pounds i think at this point maybe i've been there for like 12 13 days but i've lost 10 pounds easy um so, uh, needless to say, I'm pretty damn hungry, right? And they have their big meal at like nine in the morning for some reason. That's just when they like to eat. And so, one day I walk into the galley and it smells wonderful. Like, and I see there's big pots up on the uh, yeah the serving tray there, and everybody's lining up with these giant bowls. And I see them spooning out what looks like broth, right? And I'm like, oh hell yeah! Like it smells like pho thai. And I'm thinking, I can eat Vietnamese food. I eat a lot of Vietnamese food. It's like, I'm so excited. And like I hop in a line, I grab a bowl, and uh, wait patiently in line. And everybody's eyeing me at this point because they know I don't like their food. And it's like they're all giving me like a really suspicious eye this morning. Like you know, this dude's gonna eat today. Like he's gonna eat today of all days. And like I can kind of feel it from. Like I don't care. Like I. I'm about to get me some freaking pho thai or, or something similar, I think, right? So I wait up there, I get in line, you know, I see the big bowl of rice there. So I scoop some rice out of my bowl. I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe it's not noodles. Maybe they, you know, pour the, the broth over the rice. And so I get me some rice in the bottom of my bowl. I walk up there and the guy, the, the cook, he ladles out a spoonful of broth and then he goes digging around and he pulls out a big chunk of big, fat, juicy chicken feet now nah, i'm not fucking kidding like the whole fucking chicken's foot with the toenail still on a little wrinkles like it looks like it looks like a fucking hawk had a manicure right it's just got all trimmed and it's pretty and, and clean but like it's got their toenails and everything and i'm like there's no meat at all on this and it's a fucking chicken foot and you know i, I have like a little quiet wretch in my throat like nope can't do it and it's like i immediately take the bowl in my hands i turn around I look at the guy behind me and i stick my arms out and basically shove it to him and like he just looks at me like kind of shrugs I'm like take it and so he takes the bowl from me and uh, i just step out of line went and got me some more fucking ice cream so i gotta tell you like that's what disappointment smells and tastes like apparently and it looks like chicken feet like boiled chicken feet if you want to get a mental image of what disappointment looks like it's chopped off chicken feet in a bowl of fucking soup that's it so anyhow enough about um chicken foot flavored disappointment uh, i started working on a topic back in October and that goes to show how much of a slacker I've been I really haven't composed a whole lot about it but it's kind of a big thing and it's highly speculative like everything that I talk about right it's just kind of well there's no real clear definite answer and you can argue it in both directions you know ad nauseum and 
what I was looking at was, you know, the uh, the press and, you know, the whole media. Because like, this was before the election, and we all knew that this election was going to go wild. And how do we know that the election was going to go wild? We knew the election was going to go wild because the media told us it was going to go wild. I mean, right? That's how they always do it, right? They tell you, okay, this is what you should be worried about right now. And I, I mean, that's kind of the function of the press is to tell you what you should or shouldn't be worried about and uh, kind of give you an idea of current events and climates and so on and so forth, right? But like, who the hell is the press? Like, yeah, we know the names, like we can all look up a channel and, you know, a news network and an anchor or whatever, but like, who the hell are they? And I mean, who is the press and who controls the press and who gets a press card? Who decides who gets a press card, right? And then like how much foreign interest does or how much foreign influence is on our press um there's going to be plenty of it right i mean we can look at hollywood and see all the uh the chinese influence on that and i know china's like the big whooping boy right now it used to be um russia right because russia was influencing our elections and they they rigged the election to elect trump and i don't know why they couldn't do it this time i, I don't know why they couldn't do it this time but apparently now um you know they couldn't steal this election, whatever. So looking at it this way around is, uh, you know, China, though. It's just China, China, China. Um, how much influence do they have? You know, there's billions and billions of dollars in our media all coming from Chinese markets. And, and there's lots of, you know, just sales. I mean, like the whole, I know we always heard um, plenty of people talk about the Marvel movie and, you know, Doctor Strange and the Tibetan monk or the lack of the Tibetan monk. But... And there's other stuff. There's like, you know, in Mexico, there's like these funneling ways that it gets in there. There's a Mexican billionaire, Carlos Slim. He owns 17% of the shares of New York Times and has like a $230 million deal with uh, China JAC Motors. And it's one example of uh, filtered but connection with major news media and financial interests to protect Chinese uh, narratives and stuff like that. And then Jeff Bezos, he owns a Washington Post and has billions tied up in a Chinese market. Though it's his smallest market, it's still billions, right? I mean, because like the guy is super crazy rich. And uh, he runs Chinese advertisement on, on his pages and his uh, on the Washington Post. And um, also had to work several trade treaties to get through to to buy from the former Joyo company or Joyo.com, whatever the hell it was called, I can't remember. And then, like you know, you got Time Warner. And when was it back like 2013? Warner Media announced it forged a partnership with Chinese investment fund to the tune of like some 50 million dollars, and it uh, directly invested in Chinese uh, media. What was that? The CMC. That was a Chinese media capital. Um, it's a company with oversight from the Chinese Communist Party, right? So, I mean, like, it's it's obviously subject to the censorship of the Chinese uh, propaganda, which is worth mentioning that they also own uh, CNN. You know, we all joke the Communist News Network, but, like, kind of are, right? And then um, you get looking into other stuff like NBC Universal, right? MSNBC and NBC are both owned by uh, NBC Universal. And NBC, in like uh, 2010, signed an agreement with China's state-run media organization, Zinhu or Zihu. I don't, I don't even know how to say it. Um, I should probably learn how to say these things before I speak about them. But hey, who's an expert in every language, right? Um, get what you pay for. Uh, anyhow, to <laughs> they had to establish a business cooperation for international news broadcast. Um, and since the sign of the deal, the U.S. State Department 
identified Xinhua and five other Chinese state-run media organizations as foreign missions. They have uh, been identified as direct CCP operations and do not function as independent news outlets. I mean, that means that they are literally Chinese Communist Party propaganda outlets. And this is NB motherfucking C working with them. Right, but no, okay, don't worry. Everything you get is good, clean. It's pure as the driven snow, and everything you see on the TV from everyone speaking about it is telling the absolute truth. Oh my god, I'm over here having my phone blow up, and I'm trying to silence it. And then, you know, the uh, what is it, the Samsung monster Bixby was starting to chime in, so. So anyhow, back uh, what we're talking about with the uh, media and that, right? So another one is uh, ABC, who owns Disney and ESPN. They have ties to China. (laughs) They have ties to China and the CCP. uh, Disney World Shanghai was like, what, uh, $3.6 trillion project. I didn't want to say billion, but it's freaking $3.6 trillion. Like, man, Disney's rich as hell. Right? I mean, got $3.6 trillion to throw into building a Disney World. I bet that's cool as hell. I, 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 sh- I should Google that and check out uh, Disney Shanghai, see how badass that is, because you know that's going to be cool as shit. So anyhow, it's 57% owned by the uh, Chinese Communist Party, right? And so uh, ESPN director in 2019 instructed their staff not to discuss Chinese politics if they were asked about, about it or to uh, talk about Hong Kong, which a lot of us uh, remember the NBA and the huge source of revenue for ESPN refused to denounce the uh, CCP human rights uh, violations. They also refused to print any of the Hong Kong stuff on their jerseys. Um, They were caught, you know, there's a lot of people who were posting screenshots of all the horrible things that you could put on an NBA custom jersey, except anything criticizing um, China at all whatsoever. So, you know, that was one of the many things that uh, ABC and the NBA had kind of, you know, got caught red-handed about. And then, you know, you got to ask the big questions like, how many of our uh, representatives, Congress, and Senate members hold stock in those companies or invest in, right, invest, hold stock, right, that, or um, have some sort of uh, smaller subsidiaries that also benefit from it? And how many of these companies donate to their campaigns like 85 percent of all uh donations of media you know corporate media as a whole go to the democrat party and 86 percent of all publishing firms campaign uh, donations go to democrat party as well at least according to opensecrets.org so you kind of gotta how, how do you how do you reconcile all of that influence with the idea that it's supposed to be true, unbiased, fair, accurate media that's not, you know, being falsely reported. How, how are you supposed to sit there and objectively and reasonably say, oh, no, I can trust what I'm being told and that, you know, whoever they, this particular side of the uh, the media is promoting as, you know, the uh, the chosen one is really who we should trust. And I know this is all a little too late now, right? Too little too late because um, it's pretty clear that Biden's going to be the winner. Um, I'm still, I'm not going to dive into the whole uh, voter fraud thing that's going on right now or the accusations of it, the inquiries of it, you know, um, because 
there's a whole lot to navigate right there and it's all just a bunch of wild opinions till everybody gets done um, with their investigations and, and hearings you know all this crazy fucking talk calling it a coup it's you know uh Oh, damn, Al Gore, it took 47 days to confirm, you know, like, that's just ridiculous. There's all these companies are really just fiddling, uh, fiddling. They're, they're just peddling fear porn and just, you know, got to get them clicks, got to get them clicks. Ooh, who said the trendiest fucking thing on Twitter today? You know, everybody's just out there scrolling, looking for, you know, they're bargain shopping, not bargain shopping, they're conclusion shopping, they're bias shopping, they're, they're looking for confirmation just to whatever the hell it is that they already believe what they want to be true and... Everybody's guilty of it. Everybody sucks. Everybody's fucked. And that's where it ends. And that's where it begins. And until we, uh, until we learn to think a little bit more independently, we're just kind of screwed. Which we won't. We will not learn to think independently because we are finding out or we are being more carefully crafted into very narrow tribal uh, groups, right? We're being tribalized and categorized we're being divided and put into the right and the left the red and the blue and they find more and more divisive ways and more uh narratives and more technology to to hurt us you know obliviously like cattle into the different uh shoots for us to be slaughtered i know that's a little bit hyperbolic right because i don't think they're not really trying to slaughter us not yet anyway not that i'm aware of um they're just really just trying to get us to buy shit Get us to tune in, get us to subscribe, get us to click, get us to spend some fucking money and parrot whatever the hell we're said for whoever the hell tells us to say it or whoever pays them to tell us to say it, right? And, well, here we go. Down the rabbit hole again. Uh, I think that puts us somewhere near the 21-minute mark, and I think for a uh, return, this is a good one. Talk to you all later.